The closing line of our national anthem is this. Or the land of the free and the home of the brave. The song declares that this land, this place, this country is the land of the free. Amen? Free from the tyranny of an oppressive government. Free from the taxation without representation. Free. And that it is. This is a free country. In this place, today, today, you could wake up. This morning, in 2018, you could wake up on this soil, on this land, and choose to do what you wanted to do. You could choose to go where you wanted to go, and you could choose to pursue the things that you want to pursue. Why? Because this is the land of the free. You can pursue your God-given dreams upon this land. And I'm thankful to be here. There is another place that is even freer than America. It's a place of ultimate freedom. It is the city of God, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the land and I'll put it this way, the land of the truly free. Amen? The land of the truly free. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8, verse 36. You'll see it on the screen. He said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So the question tonight for you and for me is this. Are you truly free? Are you free tonight in Jesus Christ. Our text tonight in Genesis 21 is a chapter that provides a picture, a contrast really between the free and the slave. In fact, this chapter and this scenario that we will read through tonight is used in the New Testament as an illustration. It's a type. It's a picture of the difference between the person who is truly free and the person who is still in bondage. Either the bondage of sin or for some Christians even the bondage of still operating under the law and not in the freedom and the grace of Jesus Christ. So we're talking about what? The birth of Isaac. The birth of Isaac tonight. And the contrast is the difference between Isaac and Ishmael. They are both sons of Abraham. But one is the son of a slave woman. The other the son of a free woman. The question is, for each and every one of us, which one are you? Which son are you? So we need to take a look at this chapter. This chapter is is fundamental to understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. This chapter is a chapter that the Apostle Paul talks about in in his letter to the Galatian churches. This chapter is that chapter that Paul alludes to and dissects and, 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 and brings to life in terms of what it means for the believer, the person who's put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ. So let's look at this chapter tonight and ask ourselves, am I in the land of the truly free? Am I truly free in Jesus? If you're taking notes tonight, the first point is this, born into freedom. You're born into freedom. Let's look at it. Chapter 21 of Genesis, beginning at verse 1, it says this. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. 
For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was to be born to him, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Here we have the birth of Isaac. The birth of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Sarah. Which is a miracle. A miracle that, that, that we're looking at right here. It's a miracle, the birth of Isaac. Remember, this is the son that God had promised to Abraham and Sarah, and they had waited all these years. 14 years from the birth of Ishmael, and perhaps really 20 to 30 years that they had waited on this promise that God had given to them, that, that, they, that Abraham, you're going to have a son, and, and you're going to be a father. You're no longer Abram, but you're Abraham. You're going to be the father of many nations. And so tonight, as we look at Genesis 21, we're, we're reading about the miracle that has come about by the hand of God, the, the, little, the, the promise of God that he had given to Abraham and Sarah has been fulfilled. The miracle was this, that Abraham was in his old age, and Sarah, who had been barren all these years and who also was in her old age, boom, they had a son. They had Isaac. So God fulfills his promise. And let it be another reminder to us tonight that God fulfills his promises. Sometimes on our timetable, it doesn't always happen on our timetable. Amen? I'm, I'm sure that, 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 that there were times that Abraham said, hey, you know, what's going on here? And, and, and certainly that happened. And we're going to look at that, what happened. We're going to revisit what happened in chapter 16 when they kind of jumped the gun a little bit and got out of the spirit and into the flesh. And, and, but the reality is that if God has said something, if God has promised something in his word, it's going to come about, it's going to, it's going to be fulfilled. And so God fulfilled his promise. He gave them a son. He gave them the son that he promised them. Sarah gave, gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Isaac. Isaac, which means... Isaac, which means laughter. God is the promise keeper and he will fulfill his promise in your life and he will bring laughter and joy into your life. In this text, you will see that Sarah actually says, God has made me laugh. God has made me laugh. God has given me laughter. In my old age, in Abraham's old age, Look at this. We're parents. The, 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 the section ends with this, with Sarah basically saying, who would have thought? You know, who would have thought this? That, 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 that my guy, you know, who's 100 and me 90, that I'd be nursing children at this age? And he's, he, he, he fulfilled the promise and he brought laughter and he brought joy into her heart. And Christian, that's exactly what he does with you and me. 
that we're born into his kingdom, just like Isaac was born, that, that there's a miracle that happens when you and I are born into the kingdom. We're born into the freedom of Christ. We're born again, as it is said, as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter three, you must be born again. That's what happened to us when we believed and received Jesus Christ. We received him as our Lord and Savior, that we were born again into the kingdom and we were born into freedom. And what happens when we're born into freedom? Hey, <laughs> you ever seen what happens to people when they're set free? They're not moping around. They're not hanging their head. They're not saying, woe is me. They're shouting from the rooftops, right? You ever seen people that are re released? You ever seen people that are set free? They are, they are overjoyed. There's laughter. And Christian, that's what God wants to bring into your life. Maybe you've gotten to the point where there's no more laughter. Where's the laughter? Where's the joy in this whole thing? We've got to get back to that reality that you have been born into freedom, Christian, and you have been, and you have been given a joy deep down in the center of your heart, and you've got to let it just go. Be happy. Be glad. Have a glad and sincere heart before the Lord. Have joy. Laugh. It's fun. It's fun to laugh. Amen? Anybody like to laugh? I, I like to laugh. I crack myself up. <laughs> Anybody crack yourself up? Yeah, I like my own jokes. My, my, I, I, you know, so I, I, according to me, sometimes I've got some good material. You know, some good comedic material, and and uh, nobody else might think so, but that's okay because I laugh, and 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 laughter is so fun. The Bible says that laughter does the heart good like a medicine. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in laughter, and I believe that we should have a good laugh at least once a day. That you should put a smile on your face, no matter what the circumstance is, because you know what? Our joy that we have in Christ and the reality that we've been born free into the kingdom of God is not affected by the circumstances that may be playing out in our lives today because we're part of something bigger. We're part of a kingdom that where we're truly free in and we're looking forward to that day where we're going to step into glory and we're going to step into a place where there's no more crying. There's no more suffering. He's going to read the last chapter of the book. What happens? He wipes away the tears. There's going to be laughter. Amen. And so Christian, I want to encourage you to laugh, yeah, to laugh, to laugh. We need to laugh. God laughs. The Bible tells us that God laughs. Uh, Psalm 2 is one of those places that, you know, he who sits in heaven laughs. Can you, see, can you picture God laughing? Yeah. You know, you know he's got a sense of humor. I know I won't get into reasons why, but I have my reasons why I believe that God has a tremendous sense of humor. And if you're curious as to what my reasons are, you can talk to me after the service, but I, I have some good reasons. God laughs. He who sits in heaven laughs. Jesus, when he showed up on the scene, uh, he, did a, he did a miracle in John chapter two. He was invited to a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and uh, he had just kind of, he was just kind of beginning his, his ministry. He had been baptized by John he had gone out into the desert for 40 days of fasting and was tempted by the, by the enemy. And after the conclusion of that, he was beginning his ministry in, in Galilee. And he, he ends up at this wedding in Cana. 
And one of the worst things happened at this particular wedding that can happen at a wedding if you're the, the wedding master, the wedding coordinator, right? It, you read the chapter there in John chapter two, they ran out of wine. They ran out of wine. And this is the thing that you didn't want to happen. Don't run out of wine. And they ran out. And so Mary, Jesus' mother, says, son, come on, do something about it. <laughs> you know, well, I know you could do something about this. And he's like, mom, come on. It's not my time. It's not my time. And I find it interesting that even though he said to his mother, it's not my time, he still ended up doing something about it. You know, he still was like, okay, mom wants me to do something. All right. You know, I'm going to fix this situation. So what does he do? He says, look, go get, look, you see these jars over here? There were six jars that were about 20 to 30 gallon jars. Okay. And there was six of them and they were empty. And he told, he told the disciples, in fact, Mary told the disciples, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's good advice. That right there is a sermon right there. You could go home with that right there and you'd be done for the day, for the week. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Everything's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. Fill up these jars with water and then draw from the water, draw from the jar and give it to the headmaster of the wedding. And when they drew the water from the, the jars they took it to the headmaster, and what happened? Jesus had turned the water into wine. And it wasn't just okay wine, right? It wasn't just so-so wine. It wasn't the cheap stuff like on the bottom shelf at Walgreens, okay? I mean, this was like, you know, Jesus, okay, Jesus winery is like tops, top drawer, amen? Jesus winery is like the best of the best because he made the best. If Jesus is going to do something, he only does the best. Amen? And, and he made, made wine from water, and it was an incredible, incredible thing. The headmaster said, how is it that they save the best wine until the end? Because most of the times at these wedding parties, they would have the good wine at the beginning, and as everybody kind of, you know, had had their fill or whatever, then they brought out the okay wine. But this wedding... Jesus had made the best, and he says, why did, they, why did they bring out the best wine at the end? Well, what's the miracle about? The six jars are empty. Six is the number of man in the Bible. If you get into numerology in the Bible, six is the number of man. When you get to 666, it's the, the number of the beast, right? And it's the, it's the ultimate, it's the, the man, the son of perdition, right? So six is the number of man, and there's got six empty jars, and it's a picture of man without God, empty, empty without the Lord, without God. And what does God do when he comes into our lives? He fills us. He fills us with the water, the living water of the Holy Spirit, and then he turns the water into wine, and not only do we have the Spirit, but we've got the joy of the Lord, which is the wine, the good wine of the Lord. And so really what happened at Cana was what God wanted to do with Galilee, with Israel. They were empty without him, and he wanted to come and bring, the, bring life back to them and bring joy back into their life. And that's exactly what happened with Sarah and Abraham. The Lord has made me laugh. And Christian, do you have the joy of the Lord? Can you laugh? Can you, can you enjoy the freedom that you have in Christ? Has God truly set you free? Then be glad about it. Be full of joy about it. And if you need a miracle tonight, 
That's a good example of a miracle right there. You need to let the Lord fill you tonight, and you need to let him change your water into wine. In fact, there was a, a band that had a great song that had that title. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, the, I was actually in that band, and if you want to hear that song, we'll play that song. We actually had a band called Water to Wine. We had a song called Water to Wine, and in the song, we talk about letting the Lord turn your water into wine. Be full of the Lord. Be full of joy. Are you empty? You need to let him change your water into wine. Isaac is laughter. Isaac is laughter. And Sarah said, the Lord has made me laugh. The birth of the Son of God, the birth of the Son of the promise of God is reason for laughter. Have you been born again, Christian? Have you been born again? And it's reason to be filled with joy, to be filled with laughter. Start realizing it. You've been born into freedom. Start realizing it. Start living it. Start laughing again. Start having joy. It's a practice. It's a practice. Sometimes we focus on the negative. We focus on everything that's wrong. The Lord wants us to focus on him. The Lord wants us to focus on what he's done in our lives. The Lord wants us to focus on what he's doing in our lives, that he's completing a work, that he's begun a work, that he's completing a work, amen? So we're born into freedom. But then the Lord, secondly tonight, he wants us to remain in freedom. We're born in freedom, but he wants us to remain in freedom. Let's pick it up, verse eight, back in Genesis it says this, so the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this woman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abram's sight, because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the latter, because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. So Abraham rose in the morning, early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. And then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. And then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. And then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up in the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, 
And his mother took a, took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Okay, so we are born into freedom. Amen? We're born into freedom, but God wants his children that are born into freedom, he wants us to remain in freedom. He wants us to remain free. Isaac grew, and it became time to where his mother was going to wean him. And evidently this was a big deal in the culture. In this particular culture, in the ancient Near East, it was a big deal. And so Abraham threw Isaac a feast. I guess different cultures have different, there's different types of rites of passage, right? Um, and, and, and you're familiar with those types of of parties that are thrown, and sometimes people are throwing throwing extravagant parties. I'm I'm familiar with the, the party uh, in the Hispanic culture, right? When uh, I guess it's for the girls when they turn 15, and I've seen some of these parties that have been thrown that are extravagant. Uh, it's part of the culture that they do this, and so in this particular culture, it was part of this culture that at the weaning time, that there would be this party, that there would be this feast. And, and so this was a big deal. And just as Isaac grew, and he was born into freedom, but then he grew, amen? As we're born into freedom, we need to grow. We need to grow in the Lord. We need to keep growing. Once you're born, that's not the end of the story, Amen? That's not the end of it. You don't just say, oh, I'm born into the kingdom of heaven. Let me go over here and sit under a tree and play solitaire with my phone, you know, with my Jesus phone. No, you don't do that. You keep growing in the Lord. You keep growing in Christ and you come off of the milk, right? There's passages in the New Testament where where the, the apostles exhort the, the Christian believers, hey, you know, I, I, you're, still, you're, you're still on the milk. You should have been weaned off of the milk and, and gone to the meat of the word, but I've got I've to keep delivering this to you. In fact, in one place, it's the writer of Hebrews. He says, you should be teachers, but you're not teachers, and I've got to deliver to you the milk of the word. The funny thing is when you read Hebrews and the thing that, that Paul calls the milk of the word, most Christians, it's too deep for most Christians. The milk that Paul talks about, in he, or, uh, Paul, I don't know. I don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. One day we'll find out, right? We'll go up to heaven, and after we you know, have a big reunion with all of our family and friends, we're going to find out all this other stuff, and we're going to finally find out who wrote the book of Hebrews. And whoever wrote it, the milk that he describes, the author describes, is pretty deep stuff. And so here's the point, that we've got to keep growing in Christ. We've got to keep growing in Jesus. And as we grow in Christ, we learn what it means to abide into him. And one of the things that you learn as you grow in Christ is you learn what it means to continue in him. You see, if you read the New Testament, you see there's being born into freedom, but then there's this, this idea in the rest of the New Testament of what? Continuing in him, abiding in him, growing in him. You know, Jesus said, you know, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me, right? Jesus, in, in, in the revelation, he says, you know, you know, do this and do this and do this and overcome. You know, keep going. Keep, keep believing. Keep trusting. Overcome. And, and so there's this, this overcoming. There's this growing in Christ. 
There's learning what it means to abide in him. And I think it's something that we, honestly, we learn day by day. Isn't it? It's something that we learn day by day. What does it mean for me just to simply abide in Jesus today? To live in him. And we grow in Christ. So anyways, Abraham throws this big party for Isaac. And at the party, Ishmael is there. And you know there's about... uh, you know, most scholars put the, the, the difference in age at about 14 years, give or take a couple of years there. But so, you know, so you had Isaac, who was maybe three or four, and you have uh, Ishmael, who's, you know, a teenager. And he's at the party, and here's the big party going on that Abraham is throwing for Isaac, and he's just sneering, just scoffing at the whole thing, making fun of the whole thing. And this just irritates Sarah to the core. She can't take it. She goes to Abraham and she tells them, tells him that she can't deal with it. She's like, Abraham, look, I can't deal with this. Get them out of here. I don't want Ishmael, I don't want Ishmael and Hagar here anymore. I can't take this anymore. Furthermore, Ishmael will not be an heir with Isaac. We have Isaac now. God has fulfilled his promise, and he will Ishmael will not be an heir in this family. And she wanted Hagar and Ishmael removed, cast out of the house. And the text tells us that this upset Abraham. It upset him. And he goes to the Lord. He's upset about this situation. And he goes to the Lord. How do you know he went to the Lord? Because the Lord told him what to do. Amen? (laughs) Amen? And that's some good advice right there. When you're upset about something, when you don't know what to do about something, what should you do? Take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. When you are upset with a situation and don't know what to do, take it to the Lord and he will show you what you are to do. He will make it abundantly clear which way you are to go, which action you or non-action you are to take. He will make it clear what you're to do. So if you're upset with a situation, Christian, take it to the Lord. Let it be something that triggers in our minds, in our spirits when we're upset. Wow, I need to take this to the Lord. And Abraham evidently took it to the Lord because the Lord guided him in exactly what to do. And you know, if you listen to the the leading of the Lord, if you listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life, you won't go wrong. You won't go wrong. Learn to hear from the Lord. Learn to let him guide you. Learn Learn to hear that still small voice in your life through the word of God. And through your own intimate time with the Lord, he will tell you, he will save you from a lot of stuff. He'll save you from bad investments, bad decisions. Trust me, I'm I'm testifying tonight. He will save you from bad decisions. He'll tell you what to do. And you know, if God tells you something to do, that he's got a plan. God does not, he's not arbitrarily just giving out, oh, go here, go there, go to the left, go to the right. No, if God tells you something to do, he's got a plan. And he's going to work that plan and he's going to bring it to fulfillment. Amen? Amen? So God says, whatever Sarah said to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. 
Listen to your wife, Sarah. Listen to what she's saying. So what did Abraham do? He listened to the Lord. Abraham cast them out of the house. You say, well, man, how could God tell, uh, how could God tell them, Abraham, to, to cast them out of the house? Well, remember what I said. If God gives you a command, if God has said something as word, he's got a plan for all the, all the parties involved. There's a way that he works in that through his word that he's going to bring about what needs to be brought about in every single person's life. And that's why we just need to trust the Lord, trust the word in our life. And you, if you're standing on the word, you can never go wrong. Amen. So Abraham casts them out of the house and he sends Hagar and Ishmael on their way with some provisions to make it to Egypt. And along the way, you have this little section where they're, Ishmael's, you know, he's faint, he's almost dying, right? And he's crying out to the Lord, Hagar's crying out to the Lord, and the Lord hears them, the Lord sees them. And, and this is an important thing to realize, you see? The Lord hears them, the Lord sees them, and tells them exactly what they need to do. And there is some water, and, he, and she gives the lad a drink. And so God was with the lad, and he grew up, and he dwelt in the wilderness, and he became an archer, and so on and so forth. So God took care of them, amen? And this is, this is because when we cry out to the Lord, God is the, it, the word in the Hebrew is Jehovah Jireh, right? Jehovah Jireh. And we, we used to sing a song growing up in church, Jehovah Jireh. My provider, his grace is sufficient for, for me, for me, for me. Yeah. <clears throat> the actual, the Jehovah Jireh is actually not God who provides. It, it, you can interpret it that way, but it's actually the God who sees. Because the God who sees provides for the situation. And so when God, when God, God says, I see. I see you, and I see your need, and I see that you cried out to me. And so he's the God who provides, because he's the God who sees. Amen? Amen. So, so they're cast out. They're cast out of the house. So you see that one son remains in the house, and one son is cast out. Now, I want to take you back to chapter 16, just for a second. Remember in chapter 16, chapter 16 was when Sarah came to Abraham and said, I guess this whole thing's not happening with this promise that God gave you and me having a baby and you being a father of many nations by, by this whole thing. And so it's not happening. So here, take Hagar. Remember that? That chapter. And we talked about Sarah and Abraham both getting in the flesh. And, and that's what happened happened there. Abraham got in the flesh. He went into Sarah's maidservant and she bore him Ishmael. So what ended up happening? The product of that relationship, the product of that union was a son of not the promise of God, but a son of the work of the flesh, of going with the flesh. And so you had the son of the flesh, Ishmael, and then you have, in this chapter, we're talking about the birth of Isaac and the growing up of Isaac, and he's the son of the promise. So you have this, you have two sons here. 
Two sons of Abraham. One is the son of the flesh. The other is the son of the promise. Ishmael is cast out of the house, but Isaac remains in the house and an heir to everything that Abraham has. And so you see that Isaac is the picture of the person who is born into the freedom of Christ and into the kingdom of heaven and is truly free and an heir of God. And that person remains and remains in the household of God. They remain in the house. Why? Because they are a son of the promise. They're not a son of the flesh. So this brings us to where we have to go to the New Testament to see where specifically the Apostle Paul references this exact section of scripture that we're referencing tonight in Genesis 29, 21 to, to bring about, to, to, to clarify, to, to bring to a, to, to a crispness this idea, this picture of what was happening here in Genesis 21. We find it in Galatians chapter 4, and in that chapter it's described for us a, a spiritual application of what we see here, of the son of the flesh and the son of the promise. In Galatians 4, in, in the book of Galatians, you have Paul addressing the Jewish legalists, the Jewish legalists who troubled the Galatian believers and, 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 and wanted them to be under the law and not just have this freedom in Christ. And so they were trying to bring them back under the law of Moses, under the law that was passed down at Sinai. They were telling them that they needed to be under those laws. And so this is what happened. So you had the legalists who troubled the Galatians, and what did Paul do? He addresses the issue here in this particular chapter in Galatians 4. And he says, look, I know that you're children of Abraham. You're children of Abraham. But remember, there were two sons of Abraham. So he grants them that they call Abraham their father. But then he brings it to the crux of another question. Okay, Abraham's your father. Here's the real question. Who's your mother? Who's your mother? Or I like to put it tonight, who's your mama? Who's your mama? Galatians 4 is basically asking this question. Yeah, you can put that up on the screen. I need that on the screen. That was funny. <laughs> Who's your mama? Right? This is what Paul gets to. Ishmael was born of Hagar, the son of the, she was the son of the bondwoman, the slave woman, and born according to the flesh. When Abraham and Sarah got out from trusting in the promise and got in the flesh. So he is a product of the flesh and his mom, his mama was Hagar. And then, of course, you have Isaac born of, as Paul would say, the free woman. Not the slave woman, but the free woman and born according to the promise. Now, I want to read this chapter or not the whole chapter, but just a few verses here, because this is where you begin to be able to put two and two together. 
So that when you see Paul addressing a particular and making a particular case, he's not pulling something out of clear blue sky and saying, let me just pull this out of clear blue sky and make some points. No, 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 no. His points are so well founded in the passage of, of the Old Testament, and he brings those points to, to an understanding for us. So let me read what Paul says to the Galatians in chapter 4, beginning at verse 21. He says this, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? He says, do you not hear what the law says? The Torah? Verse 22, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. And he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic, for these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we brothers, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brothers, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So that's the question that Paul gets down to. And he would ask, okay, you're Abraham's son, but who's your mama? Who's your mother? Are you a son of the bondwoman or a son of the free woman? So we need to remember, Christian, that you are a child of the promise of God. You are, a, you are a son of the free woman. You have been born into freedom. You have been born into the kingdom. You've been born again of the spirit of God. And you have been born and you have been made a rightful son and a rightful resident in the household of faith. And you have been made an heir and a joint heir with Christ. And that's what's going to cause us to remain in freedom, to remember that, Christian. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the, of the foundational principles that God has said in his word. You are free because God has made you an heir, a joint heir with Christ. You are, you are not barely hanging on in the family. No, you're, a, you're, a, you're an heir in the family. And we need to remain. We need to, remain. We need to, we need to realize this. And this is going to cause us to remain. There is always this tendency towards bondage. I, I mentioned it before we got going tonight. This, this, and, you know, and I don't know how it ties in, you know, this tendency toward bondage, how it ties into the law of entropy. But there's, there's, you know, there's, there's chaos and order and it, it, everything tends towards chaos. And spiritually, I think it tends, we tend towards bondage. There's always a tendency towards bondage. There's a tendency in governments toward tyranny. In our personal lives, there's a tendency towards bondage. 
But we, want to, we, want, we need to remain in freedom. We need to remain in the freedom of Christ. Ishmael and his descendants are those that God did honor his word in that sense. Why? Because Ishmael became a, a mighty nation. He had 12 sons that had you know, the, the whole thing. And so it grew up as this, today, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the fundamental issues. What we're looking at tonight, you say, well, I went to church and it had no relevance to, my, you know, to anything that's going on today. <laughs> <laughs> this chapter has more relevance to what's going on today than anything you've read that is supposedly so relevant. This is actually what's going on in our world. The fundamental clash between the, the children of the bond woman and the children of the free woman. The people who are truly the seed of God and the people who are just kind of antagonizing. The sad thing about it is that they're, they're, they're half brothers, right? That's the sad thing. The sad thing is when you look at this, what are they? They have, they have the same father. They just have two different mothers, right? So they're half, half brothers, right? And yet this is the issue. You know, when I, I remember, I'll make this point and we'll, we'll wrap it up, but I've uh, got to look at that last, little, that last little section. But I remember when I was in Jerusalem and you go to Jerusalem and you go to the Western Wall, right? You go to the, they call it the Wailing Wall. And after you go to the Wailing Wall, you, at least the time I went, you, you go all the way up on the Temple Mount, right? And I remember... I was there with the Jews, the Jewish people, as they're praying at the Western Wall, and there they are. They've got these pulpits, these elaborate pulpits that are pushed up. It's like if there was a wall right here, and I had a pulpit, and I was preaching to this wall, and I was proclaiming to this wall, right? That's what they do. And they go right up to the wall, and they literally rock back and forth at the wall, and they literally go blind because they're staring at this wall all day long and they're rocking back and forth. And they're praying and they're asking that the Lord would, would bring restoration, right? And then you go up on the temple, on the top of the temple. And what do you got up there? You've got basically two mosques. You've got Al-Aqsa and you've got the Dome of the Rock. And at that time, I was able to go into both of them. I went into the Al-Aqsa, and I went into the, you walk across, just a short little walk into the Dome of the Rock. And the lostness that you feel, and, it, and you have, just in this close proximity, these two half-brothers, right? God wants people in freedom. God wants you in freedom. God wants you in the joy of a relationship with him. And he has done everything. He's brought that about through his son, Jesus Christ. And if we believe, receive, and remain and abide in him, we have that. Amen? Well, let's wrap this up in the last section. We're to live in peace. 
Let me read it real quick, and I just want to share one thought on this. And it came to pass at the time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of the army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring, or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of the well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. And therefore he called the place Beersheba, because the two of them had sworn an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and they called, the name, called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Last point tonight, if you're taking notes, is live in peace. You're born into freedom, you need to remain in freedom, and you need to live in peace. This last section is where Abraham goes down towards Beersheba, and there's a misunderstanding about this well that Abraham had dug. And so Abraham proposes a covenant with Abimelech. Now Abimelech, you run into all these Abimelechs, right? You're like, who is, which Abimelech is this? It's because Abimelech is more than likely a, a, a title, it's a title of a leader, and so you run into different guys, different Abimelechs. He's the title, the title of the Philistine ruler. And so Abimelech recognizes God's favor with Abraham, and so they enter into a covenant so that they would not harm each other. And let this be a principle for us, that we are to live in, live in peace, live in peace with those around us. As we are living in freedom, we need to live in peace with those around us. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, right? We need to make peace. Paul put it this way in Romans 12, verse 18, and he said it this way. You'll see it on the screen. He says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know, Christians, you know, some, not all, but there are, there are people that like to go out and stir things up. You know, I don't think that we're called to go stir things up. Amen? Amen. We're, we're called to be the people that we are, to be the people of the kingdom that, we're, that, that God has made us, to be the people born into freedom, remaining and abiding in freedom, abiding in Christ, and living in peace with those around us. And, and that means sometimes that we have to, we have to make peace. And, and we have to perhaps do something like this, where we go to someone and say, hey, look, there's a misunderstanding, but let's smooth this out. Let's have an understanding in this situation. And sometimes what happens in our lives is that we put things off. And um, what I like about what Abraham does is he confronts the situation. A lot of times what we like to do is we put things off. I don't know if you're, you know, if you procrastinate about things or maybe somebody's bothering you and you, you, know, you know you need to go to them, you know you need to talk about the situation, but rather than discussing it, we let things fester, we let things grow, we let things metastasize, and they become these big things. And you look at how this was handled here, and in, back in that day, I don't think it was a small thing. 
You know, it wasn't a small thing to dig a well and then have it seized away from your people. You know, a well in, that, in the Middle East at that time was probably a big deal, right? Talking about a resource, a natural resource that was going to take care of your household and the people in your clan. And so this wasn't, this wasn't like, oh, you know, we had a little misunderstanding over a couple of dollars. This is a big thing. And so we need to... We need to make peace sometimes, and we need to go to people, and we need to live at peace. As far as it is, according to us, if it depends on us, we're going to live at peace. We go to people with the right heart, the right spirit. We present the truth, the reality of the situation, and let God handle it. Let God intervene in the situation rather than kind of letting things go. And I think there's a lot of things that happen in our lives because of non-communication, and we think we tend to live with this idea that things are going to sort themselves out. Things don't sort themselves out. Amen. We just we've been talking about entropy tonight, right? We've been talking about this tendency towards chaos, this tendency towards tyranny, towards bondage. Sometimes we need to handle things. We need to discuss. We need to make a covenant. We need to make peace. Amen. And so, therefore, living in peace, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with those around you. Amen? So, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. The kingdom of heaven, the city of God, is the land of the truly free. Are you free tonight? Are you free in Jesus Christ?